Good morning, everyone. My name is Ethan Delves, and I will be arguing on the affirmative side of the resolution. On balance, President Trump has done well in his first term. Before I go into my arguments, I want to point out the phrase on balance in the resolution. It's a really helpful mechanism for weighing the round. It's the only, it is only reasonable that presidency both has its benefits and harms to society, which calls for a way to, to weigh how the round should be voted on. On balance means that we need to take the benefits of Trump's presidency and weigh them against the harms. This way we can do a cost-benefit analysis and determine which factors are of most importance and thus weigh more, and which factors weigh less. As the affirmative side of this debate, I will show you how Donald Trump's presidency has brought more benefit than harm to the United States in several key areas and argue that the long-term benefits to society are critical to deciding this round. Let's begin with the economy. President Trump is known for having implemented pro-growth policies that enable workers to get into the workforce, the economy to grow, and money to be earned. President Trump has the best interest of the consumer in mind when signing off on different policies and makes sure to relieve any barriers that stand between Americans and economic progress. According to the Foundation for Economic Education, GDP growth staggered along about 1.5% in Mr. Obama's final full quarters in office, so President Obama. Growth doubled to 3% during Mr. Trump's first, first six full quarters. We can already see that as far as economic growth goes, Trump is ahead of the Obama administration. Let's look at a few of the specifics to determine why exactly this is. More than 5 million jobs have been created since President Trump's election, and the unemployment rate remains below 4%. This is the eighth time this year that unemployment rate has been below 4%. Prior to this year, the unemployment rate has fallen below 4% only five times in the past 49 years. President Trump has prioritized the, econo the economic empowerment of women. And I'll explain once I'm able to get my case back up in a second. Okay. No, it's not working. Just give me one second. This can be on time as well if we need it to. Okay, President Trump has prioritized the economic empowerment of women. Let me explain. The women's unemployment rate recently reached its lowest rate in 65 years. Under President Trump, job openings outnumbered the unemployed for the first time on record. Americans are seeing more money in their pockets thanks to the booming economy. In 2017, real median household income rose to a post-recession high. Since the election, 4.6 million Americans have been lifted off of food stamps. President Trump signed the Tax Cuts and Job Acts into law, ushering, into the, ushering in the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. These tax cuts are delivering real results for American families and workers. More than 6 million workers receive tax cut bonuses and benefits. This is all according to, according to a report from the White House directly from the government. President Trump firmly believes that everyday people know how to invest their money better than the government knows how to invest it for them. By cutting taxes, employing more people, and providing an environment that fosters economic progress, people are able to keep more money and thus spend more money, which, turns it, which, which in turn boosts job growth and corporate investment into domestic enterprises. Now let's look at national security. While the, economic, while the economy is critical for our nation's thriving, it would be meaningless if it weren't kept safe within our borders. President Trump is a proponent of law enforcement, especially when it comes to securing our interests with foreign nations. He recognizes that the United States is the, of the utmost importance in his decision-making and ensures that Americans get what they deserve from trading partners. Look at a couple of examples of national security that President Trump has aided in. First, securing our border. For decades, the U.S. has been battling with illegal immigration from Mexico into the United States. Rates have been, higher ever, rates have been high ever since the turn of the century, and President Trump has stepped up with some improvements to be made. Recently, he threatened to impose tariffs on Mexico to influence them to watch their side of the border, of the U.S.-Mexico border. The result was a sharp decrease in illegal immigration. According to the Washington Post, quote, U.S. authorities detained more than 85,000 family unit members at the border in May, an average of nearly 2,800 per day. 
But get this, that number declined, has declined by about 13% since the beginning of June, a period during which Donald Trump threatened to oppose tariffs on Mexico and the government of President Andres Obrador agreed to an immigration crackdown to avoid the penalty. Even better, quote, U.S. officials say they are expecting a 15 to 20% decline in border arrests from May when authorities detained more than 144,000 and migration levels reached their highest point since 2006. Now, my next example, North Korea. Donald Trump has also de-escalated the nuclear situation in North Korea, or the missile crisis, by using economic sanctions to avoid the use of force. According to The Diplomat, reports about North Korea's demands for sanctions relief for sanctions relief during the summit are often cited as an indication that the international sanctions against Pyongyang are effective. Although North Korea had dismissed such reports, signs are emerging that North Korea is actually struggling and severely affected by sanctions. Donald Trump is undoubtedly one of the most effective presidents when it comes to international conflicts. He knows what the United States has to gain and lose, and he also has important views on human life. Let's use Iran as an example. Recently, Iran shot down an unmanned U.S. military surveillance drone that was operating in international waters. Ten minutes before a retaliatory missile strike was ordered, Donald Trump asked how many Iranian lives would be lost. He was told 150, and he immediately called off the strike before it went into effect. This is quote from um, from the Washington, or sorry, from C- CNBC knows news. Wow, I'm losing my words here. Let's start again. Because the deaths that would result in Iran were not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. Trump leverages the economy to influence foreign nations, and rather than sacrificing Iranian lives, imposed sanctions on Iran. While according to which, according to the U.S. Secretary of Treasury, locked up tens of billions of dollars and were quote highly effective. Through all of these examples of economic growth and national security, we see a common theme that distinguishes President Trump as a good president. Trump knows how to put his foot down. He hasn't let foreign nations take advantage of the United States, nor has he allowed domestic growth barriers to stand in the way of economic progress. He has given citizens more money because he trusts that they can spend it and invest it wisely. Under President Trump, America has seen objective monetary benefits, reestablished its strong political and economic stance, and has been protected against dangerous threats. Based on the benefits we see all over the economy, as well as outside of the economy, I think that my opponent will find it difficult to argue that President Trump has done more harm than good. Before I conclude my speech, I want to go back to the resolution that says, quote, on balance, President Trump has, sorry, President Trump, wow. (laughs) (laughs) President Trump has done well in his first term. Again, I want to point you to the phrase on balance, because this calls for a cost-benefit analysis. Again, we're taking the benefits of President Trump's first term and weighing it against the harms of President Trump's first term. I want to remind you that I brought up examples of the economy and many different factors such as GDP and employment um, and low rates of unemployment that showed that Donald Trump's presidency has had a direct effect on a growing economy with more people getting to work and getting into the job force. And this is coupled with the fact that the GDP is actually growing at a rate that it said, actually, according to the, the White House report that I cited earlier, in the final quarter is 4.2%, which is a very a fairly high rate of GDP growth. And we can see when we compare it to the Obama administration, it's about, it's about double in Trump's first term versus Obama's last term. Then when we go further down, we see that employment rates, again, are remaining below 4% or at, and are breaking national records time and time again as we move um, closer to the president. Again, I pointed to national security, showing that Donald Trump, leveraging the economy, was able to influence Mexico to watch their side of the, the border and respect the policies of legal immigration while preventing certain levels of illegal immigration. And then we looked at the example of Korea and how we had a very dangerous threat near the beginning of the year there. Trump immediately de-escalated the situation and did very well with that, put his foot down, knew what was best for America. And finally, we came to the example of Iran. Iran, instead of going for a military strike, Trump took the smart route. He's being patient with Iran and decided to call on um, on sanctions on Iran in order to save lives and be an effective president. 
Trump has America's best interests in mind. Therefore, you should vote affirmative. Thank you. For those joining us, uh, that was the conclusion of the first affirmative constructive. Welcome to our first ever What's the Res live cast live debate. My name is Josh Herring. I'm your host, and uh, I'll be the judge for uh, today's debate as well. We have Ethan arguing affirmative versus Patrick arguing negative. Our resolution is on balance. President Trump has done well in his first term. With that, Patrick, are you ready for cross-examination, or do you need a moment for questions? Um, I think I'm ready. Okay, excellent. Uh, Ethan, if you could uh, give us three minutes on the timer. Patrick, got three minutes. Charge, so you can have the timer right. whenever you're ready. Uh, Ethan, you ready? Ready to go. Let's do this. Okay. So in your speech, you kept on coming back to this idea that Donald Trump, during his presidency, has had this incredible unemployment rate. What exactly has Trump done to cause this? Because you said in your speech that Trump's presidency has directly affected this rate. Right. What exactly has he done? So what I cited here was a report from the from the White House. I mean, we have an incredibly low or low unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. So these are, again, national record breaking. Trump follows a school of thought that coincides with what you would call the Austrian school of economics. What he does is he believes that consumers know how to spend their money better than the government does. Remember how I cited the tax cuts also as well. This means that people are getting more money, and as more money is spent in the economy, that's what gives the direct effect to higher employment rates. So that's how the Trump administration would directly affect employment. So just to explain this, by these tax cuts, this leads to more jobs being created. How exactly? So when you have tax cuts, that means that less income tax is taken from everybody's salary. So any anybody that works a job, automatically gets income tax taken from the government, right? Now, those rates are lower, so that means people keep more money. When you have more money, you have more to spend in the economy. So say that instead of $100, I have $200. Now I can spend that $100 that I would have spent in the economy anyways, but I have another 100 As I keep spending, say I buy a TV from Samsung. Now Samsung has more money to hire more workers, expand its investments, and get more investments from different from. Um, investors on the outside. So they're able to hire more workers because more of their products are being bought. And we see this spread out pretty evenly in distribution across the entire economy. Okay. Um, continuing on your point about national security in Iran. Right. Um, so would you not say that doing well, exact, well, maybe I'll get to this in my next speech, but doing well would be benefiting the American people yes. overall Yes. in the long term, in the short term. Yes. So you know about Iran and how Trump has been threatening a war with Iran, right? No. no. Trump is highly against a war in Iran. That's why he imposed economic sanctions to to save American lives and save Iranian lives. No, it seems like he's actually been escalating the situation. No, Donald Trump... Iran has been trying to back down from this, but the Trump administration has been going after them. If Iran has been trying to back down, they wouldn't have shot down a $150 million military drone. Which was where? Which is in the strait that... It starts with an H. I don't know the name of the strait, but it, it transports oil to Iran and like with the, throughout the Middle East. And that's contested, right? Yes, because it was shot down in international waters, which is illegal. Um. Okay. Still have more time. Wait. No, keep going. That was that was my okay. phone yeah. that's Let's set go. up for messages and notifications. My apologies. Please continue. Continue. Um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Ten seconds. Perfect. Okay. Uh, with that, thank you. Uh, we, we've had some more folks joining us for those who are jumping in. Uh, welcome to the first ever What's the Res live cast debate. You are uh, joining a debate in progress. Oh my goodness.
I don't know why that happened, but okay. <laughs> so, uh, technical issues. Anyway, let's get back to it. Oh, well. Aaron, stop calling me. Is that Ali's dad? <laughs> no, that's a friend from Hillsdale, who's calling me in the middle of the show. Okay. So, uh, well, yes, thank you, Lucy, for your laughs. Uh, yes. We appreciate your patience. We're, we're navigating some new technical setups that we've not done before. We're brand new to this. So. That's it. So that being said, uh, we are about to get to uh, the negative. Sorry. <laughs> I think this is important. No, I'm just going to tell him the, the Send him the link to the live. I can't talk now. So this is an automated okay. message. I, I assume so, yes. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. So we are about to get to uh, Patrick. Uh, giving the negative constructive on the resolution on balance, President Trump has done well in his first term. Okay. And uh, thank you, Don Pearson. He uh, chimed in with "It's the Gulf of Omen" is the, uh, right. the the phrase you were That's looking it. for a moment thank ago. You. Okay, thank uh, Patrick gets eight minutes for his con- the negative constructive. And with that, Patrick, if you got the time ready, we are ready when you are. All right, and go. Hello, my name is Patrick Foley, and I will be arguing the negative side of our resolution. On balance, President Trump has done well in his first term. Uh, I'm going to agree with Ethan on the on balance portion of the resolution. It definitely does give a good job of providing a way for this debate to be judged. Just whichever side can provide uh, more evidence for the side and basically just prove that their benefits or their farms are overweigh the opponent. Um. So moving on into my arguments, uh, for my first argument, I'd like to argue that Trump is actually damaging the very foundation of our government. So the United States government was founded on a system of, be- of checks and balances. The executive, judicial, and legislative branches of the government all working in tandem and all equally powerful. However, Trump has upsetted this balance by trying to make himself as powerful as he can against the will of the framers when they first created the Constitution. This position that Trump has as a a president has grown in time to become more powerful than anything they ever imagined. And Trump is making this even worse and setting up a precedent for the future presidents to come. So firstly, um, just a couple of examples of exactly how he's doing this. Trump has set records for the days and number of cabinet members that are only acting members of his cabinet. He says, quote, it gives me more flexibility. However, he is circumventing a power of the legislative branch. For example, if Trump were to want to insert an official secretary of defense, normally there would be a process for the candidate to be accepted by the Senate through voting. However, if Trump simply inserts an acting member, then he can, then this completely goes around this process. He doesn't have to go through the Senate. He can put in whoever he wants. And this is what he's been doing throughout his entire presidency, just throwing in people as acting members because he claims it gives him more flexibility when, in fact, all it's really doing is just giving him the ability to put in these people wherever he wants. So another thing is Donald Trump has been showing abuse of his power in his search for a border wall. As Ethan was talking about, he's been trying to shut down this border to not let in uh, immigrants. But this is one of the major promises of his presidency. He's promised to give us this border wall. And now that his presidency is drawing to a close, he's been very desperate about how he's going to get this. Uh, Back in January, the government was shut down for a record 35 days. If Donald Trump cares so much about the people. Why would he shut down the government for 35 days using people's livelihoods as a bargaining tool? He's using their money and this money that they're going to get from these tax cuts as a bargaining tool. And then later on, once this didn't actually work and he was forced to reopen the government, 
he used his emergency powers to de- to declare an emergency that this uh, these immigrants were actually in a national emergency that is very debatable. And this didn't actually end up working. He still hasn't gotten his border wall. So these are just two examples, along with all more like his nonstop lies to the media, his constant attacking of his political opponents, not releasing his tax returns, monetizing the presidency by linking it to his personal business interests and more show this president who now is basically untouchable, doing whatever he wants and setting this precedent for presidents to come. This is going to continue. He's showing this abuse of power that this can be done. So the Republicans are not going to be in power forever. When a Democrat president comes along, what are they going to do? The same thing, because they know they can. Trump has just set up this ability for presidents to do basically whatever they want, essentially. The only reason this hasn't spiraled completely out of control yet is because the Constitution is still holding up by the system of checks and balances. This is the only reason that this hasn't just completely uh, spiraled out of control. So next, we'll move on to the economy. So when Trump was elected in 2017, he actually inherited a very quickly growing economy. How much he's actually affected this is debatable. So he released this tax cut plan created back in 2018, and this has shown a pretty good short-term boost for the economy. But the economics professor at Princeton, Alan Binder, acknowledges that the actions of a president normally take years to show exactly how they affect the economy, as well as the fact that the president's ability to actually affect the economy is very overstated. But this entire time, Trump has been claiming uh, responsibility for these great increases. Well, and it's actually kind of hard to say that, see this. Um, it also has the... <laughs> um, we are recording this in a school, and even though it's summer break, the bells still ring. Yes. So please, Patrick, please continue now that uh, hopefully you've recovered that train of thought. Yes. Okay. So he has been claiming responsibility for the stock market doing very well as it continued. The bull market record nine years now. Well, uh, but actually recently, some uh, econo- uh, economicists have been claiming that there is now a bear market underway as the stock market has actually flipped back around and fallen a couple hundred points recently. Um, this is a lot to do with the trade war that you that the U.S. is now in with China. China and the U.S. are extremely dependent on each other. And uh, this is just definitely a situation where Trump's habit of insulting his political opponents will definitely not help. One of the first casualties of this trade war is the farmers. They've been severely hurt by all of this um, trade war, by this trade war. And again, this is another example of supposedly Trump cares so much about these people. And he claimed that this wouldn't backfire on the American people, but it has very quickly. The Secretary of Agriculture, I believe, declared that um, this has been very much hurting the farmers. And patriotism will not pay for taxes, will not pay for these uh, taxes. And so now what he's promised to be a trade war that would not hurt the people has turned into a $16 billion aid bill which has been another example of how much Trump has been driving up the costs on the government. He has increased spending and lowered taxes, which is driving up our insane national debt already even more. And to go on to the war with Iran, the country's already tense relationship with the U.S. has now been made worse by the Trump administration. How? This started even before the drone incident with the nuclear deal that we were in with Iran. There was no proof that Iran was breaking this deal, but still Trump backed out of it simply because he thought that Trump, that Iran might have been breaking this deal. 
there was no evidence that they ever did this. Um, we also put in sanctions on them, and then we denied waivers to the Iranian people. So Trump has made the situation incredibly worse. And because of this fact that he is not exactly helping the economy, it has been growing, but this doesn't exactly have much to do with the Trump administration. So with that, along with how much Trump has been hurting the presidency itself, I urge to vote negative. Thank you, Patrick, for that excellent constructive. For everybody who's been join- who joined us in the middle of that speech, welcome to our very first What's the Res live cast debate show. We've got Ethan on affirmative, Patrick on negative, arguing the resolution on balance. President Trump has done well in his first term. Ethan, are you ready for three minutes of cross? Yes, I think I am. Okay, right, can and I see the timer over there? Yeah. Uh, as Ethan is uh, getting the time set up, uh, listeners, be, do get ready with your questions uh, because after this is over, I'll be. Uh, we're going to have two minutes where I'll take any calls that you have, and uh, be, I'll at least uh, would love to hear your feedback on on how this is going so far and any questions that you've got. With that, Ethan, three minutes for cross. All right. Ready when you are. Cross examination will begin now. Patrick, thank you for that wonderful, constructive speech. My first question for you is, how do you go about growing an economy? Well, the economy itself is a very hard thing to pin down. It's, right. It grows in weird ways in that it reacts to emotion, but you sustain it through promises that are kept and, um, yeah, that sort of thing. Just so, basically, So you're saying that the government is able to control the way the economy grows? It is, but mostly that has to do with the legislative branch. Ultimately, the legislative branch is what holds the purse. So the economy is not so much based on consumer decisions and purchases, but government manipulation? It, it's a combination of the two of them. It's consumer uh, uh, spending money as well as the, the government manipulating it. Okay. Can you can you explain to me how the Iran deal exactly works? What were the what were the terms of the Iran nuclear deal? Um, I cannot remember exactly what they were, but I just um, I do have a source that says that Iran was not ever actually proven to be breaking. The, Even though Iran said that they were about to break the limit after the U.S. pulled out of the deal, they said we're going to. That was more of his response to no Trump Iran. Iran out. specifically said, "Okay, we're about to break the limit that you set because you just left the deal." They left the deal, which killed the deal. So now they're allowed to do. No, the, Iran never left the deal. The United States left the deal. But why did the United States leave the deal to begin with? So that we with? could further pressure Iran so that we wouldn't be in a nuclear war. But Iran wasn't breaking the deal to begin with. No, but when we pulled out, Iran said, "Okay, now we're going to break the deal." But there was never ever any threat of a nuclear war. There was. It was the U.S. that started this by pulling out to begin with. We'll get to that in rebuttals. I'm going to go for another question. Okay. Can you give me an example of the nonstop lies to the media that Trump has told? Um. So I mean, just him claiming all of this responsibility for everything he's done. Um, his nonstop thing. What? Give an exact, like a specific example. Um, there was a tweet a couple days, a couple months ago, I think that I had was about, um, when the stock market had raised, the Dow Jones had raised a couple, like 400 points or something. And Trump immediately took to Twitter to claim responsibility for that. In order to grow an economy, would you say that governmental policies affect the way the economy is growing? Yes. So based on certain restraints or lack of restraints, the economy, the dynamic follows a sort of correlation there. Yes. Okay. So you said that, let me, let me look through this real quick. Okay. What is the, what is the best way to pay down the United States federal debt? The best way? Yeah. How would you go about doing that? 
where, would, where would you put the money? Like, where, if you could invest money in an area for paying down this debt, where would you put it? I don't think that's exactly the debate we're having here. Trust me, it is. You brought up the debt in your constructive speech second argument. So yes. I think it is part of this debate. I don't that's have an exact plan as to. All right. Uh, gentlemen, y'all get two minutes to prep your rebuttal speeches. And at this time, uh, so audience, I'd love to uh, ask you to do two things, then I'll start the timer. Uh, if, uh, if any of you have questions, I'd love for you to call in. That's one of the fun features of Livecast. Also, if you don't have a question, please do send us a line in the chat window. Just letting us know where you're from. Where in the world are you listening from? And those two minutes start now. Anybody have any questions you want to pose either about the debate or uh, not really to our debaters, but anything I could help with as far as questions goes. All right. For anybody who is just joining us, we are uh, look, this is the podcast show. What's the res? We are hosting our very first live cast debate. We are discussing the resolution on balance. President Trump has done well in his first term, and we are now finished with round one, where both sides have given their constructive speeches. Ethan is arguing in favor of today's resolution, and Patrick is arguing in opposition to today's resolution. In the absence of any calls, I'll uh, just kind of commentate what I'm seeing in the round so far from the perspective of a debate coach. Uh, so, so far, Ethan gave us a solid affirmative constructive. I got uh, three, I think I got three main arguments from him. And then we had some good discussion in Cross X. And in, when Patrick then came out with uh, three different point, three points on negative, and uh, it's, that was an exciting discussion. We got a lot of different issues raised. Uh, and then we also had, Ethan had a lot of questions on Cross. So, so far, we have a solid beginning to a debate, a, a debate. Uh, the, the important part of a debate for at this stage is that both teams bring plenty of material to the side. What we're looking for in the upcoming rebuttal is that they actually both answer each other back. So Ethan's job is to respond to each of Patrick's three, uh, three arguments, and Patrick's job is to respond to each of Ethan's three responses. And whoever does the best job of response has the best shot of winning today's debate. All right, that is the end of our time. Uh, Patrick, you get the negative rebuttal first okay. in this format. Um, how long is that? You get six minutes for this rebuttal speech. All right. Uh, oh, welcome to Adrian. So glad that uh, you are uh, you're here as a uh, president of Speech and Debate Club in uh, looks like this is in Texas and possibly in San Francisco. Uh, we will we're, we're uh, just starting the first rebuttal round, and uh, we're in the uh, our resolution is on balance. President Trump has done well in uh, his first term, and Patrick is beginning with the first rebuttal. So hopefully that gets you caught up. With that, Patrick, uh, here's our, or you got the timer. Yeah, I got Six minutes and go. Okay. Hello again. My name is Patrick Foley, arguing the negative side of our resolution on balance. President Trump has done well in his first term. Let's get into this. Now, uh, as for my opponent Ethan's arguments, I got mostly two main points. I'm not sure exactly. Um, the first one being the uh, economy, which he talked about, um, mainly focusing on the tax comp the tax cuts that president Trump has brought into play. 
and saying that this has been the main reason for the uh, growth of the economy uh, throughout President Trump's presidency and being responsible for unemployment rates and all this other stuff. So at, while it's true that unemployment rate has actually grown, the rate at which it is doing this is actually slowed. So as it's been going up through uh, Obama's presidency and through Trump's presidency, it has now actually slowed the rate that it has been going down, uh, the unemployment rate, that is. Um, uh, another thing is that the unfilled job openings hit a new record because of a result of unla- a lack of qualified workers. So if these people have the money to do with what they want, why aren't they getting educated? They're, Trump is leaving this money for these people to do whatever they want with it, as this is his policy. But leaving them to do this with that with this is uh, creating the, all these unfilled job openings that are more advanced because these people aren't educated enough. There's not enough advanced workers. This is a result of Trump just leaving these people to do whatever they want. Um, Ethan in his speech also said that there was an empower that Trump lit had an empowerment of women and women unemployment rate had been going down as, but I don't see exactly how Trump had done this. Maybe just you're throwing that in as the result of everything else that the, the woman got, that these women unemployment rates have been going down, but exactly how he's been affecting this and why this in particular has been pointed out and how exactly Trump has done this particularly for women is confusing, especially when you look at all these things he's done against women and how rude he always is, as I pointed out in my first argument, and against all of these political opponents. Now, he went over his second point was national security, ensuring Americans get the most out of trade. This trade war that we have with China has been actually hurting the American people and hasn't really been going anywhere recently either. It just seems very confusing that this has actually been helping us, supposedly. Um, again, the Iranian war, maybe that was your first, your third, well, not the war, but just Iran, our situation with Iran, maybe that was your third point. But again, as I pointed out, this war with, I, this war with Iran that may, may or may not happen has actually been put in this situation by the U.S. We were the first ones to initiate this conflict. Maybe Iran responded, but that's just them doing what was best for their government and their own people. It was us who first pulled out of that nuclear deal when Iran had not actually broken any of the of the tenants of that deal. There was no proof that that ever happened. And Iran responded in kind by saying that they would develop their own nuclear weapons because the U.S. had pulled out of that deal. Um, besides that, I'd just like to go over my points again. Number one, that the Trump has been damaging the very con- the Constitution itself through uh overgoing the system of checks and balances. Again, the ways he's been doing this, he's been putting in these acting cabinet members, his abuse of power in search for a border wall. Another thing which Ethan was going over, his uh, shutting down the border and um, all of this nonstop lies, attacking his political opponents, not releasing his tax returns and monetizing the presidency. Just all of these lead up to show a very unethical president that's been hurting the presidency and by that, America itself. This is an extremely important position. Trump has been damaging the very foundation of it. How exactly that benefits the American people doesn't exactly seem like a logical explanation to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Along with that, that this economy hasn't actually been doing as well as Ethan claims it has been. And national security 
It doesn't seem very safe for the American people if we have a war with Iran. That just doesn't seem to help anybody. How exactly that would, have been, that would affect the economy is unknown, but you, it, a, war with, a war with Iran is just not what anybody really wants at this point. I yield my time. All right. Ethan, are you ready for, for uh, your rebuttal speech? I am ready. Okay, excellent. Let me drink some water real quick. All right, six minutes on the clock. Patrick, ready? Yep. Uh, Mr. Herring, ready? I am ready. Right. We will begin now. Judge, what I'm going to do here is go over what my opponent said in his previous rebuttal speech, and then I'm going to go over my rebuttal of his negative case and show you why the affirmative team should take the round today. So we're going to start now. My opponent first says that the opponent, the, sorry, the unemployment rate has actually slowed, um, and unemployment is not as good as they make it out to be, or President Trump has made it to be. Yet he gives no source for this. He gives no number for how much it has slowed over time. And according to, sorry, and by the way, this is still a benefit to the American people. The unemployment rate is going consistently down over time. I will come back to this point later when my opponent says that, in fact, it's hard to attribute certain economic benefits to a president. We're going to go over that point in a second. But for now, unemployment rate, rates going down and President Trump maintaining those decreasing rates of, un, of unemployment is still a benefit that flows to my side of the round for President Trump's benefits, as far as I'm concerned. Secondly, he says that with all this extra money that people have, why don't they get educated? I would like to point out that we have the public school education system where people can get educated for free without having to pay money. This comes from property tax. So, again, it's a service provided by the government. So people don't need to pay for it if they go to public school. And people, like I've been saying throughout my entire case, are supposed to use their money to buy what they want with it. And reinvesting this money within the domestic economy is actually what spurs growth. And President Trump, with his tax cuts and allowing people to keep more of their income, has, is actually the, the factor that helps boost economic growth in the long run. Now, my opponent also said that when you look at – I'm not sure how Trump um, empowers women because you see how rude he is to women on Twitter. Again, he gives no examples of Trump being rude to women. Um, and I, when I asked him specifically for examples of this sort of thing in cross-examination, um, I see Mr. Herring laughing over here. <laughs> but anyways, again, no specific examples that I asked for. And my Donald Trump empowering women was just another sub point of the fact that unemployment is going down. I'll remind you, it says women unemployment rate has reached, recently reached its lowest rate in 65 years. Again, this is just another one of those unemployment statistics. There's nothing special about it. Now, he also mentioned the trade war that is hurting the American people. Again, he says that this trade war with China is actually a bad thing. I'd like to point out that the reason President Trump has a trade war with China as opposed to sanctions on China is because we have a dispute over intellectual property rights, and China is actually stealing our intellectual property and being able to profit off of this ourselves. This is, where the, this is why this war actually started entirely. President Trump is protecting the American people and their innovation and their inventions with intellectual property rights by opposing these sanctions on China to make sure that thievery isn't happening. Intellectual property rights and rights to property are how we convert our ideas into capital and make sure that capitalism ensues and people can make money off of their ideas and their creations. President Trump is protecting this inherent right that, you, that the American people have through this trade war with China. While it may have some economic drawbacks in the short run, again, as I stated in my definitions on on balance at the beginning of the round, we must be looking at the long-term benefits to society in order to determine how this round can actually be flowed. Now that we've gone over that, we're going to start with the Iran war. My opponent says that national security is not is not safe. We're not in a good state with that, with the war with Iran. I want to point out that President Trump is starkly against a war with Iran. In fact, he called off a missile strike to Iran. I see a common theme with my opponent's case where he's saying that that we really can't take action in certain areas. Like we have a war with Iran. We have a trade war. These things are absolutely necessary 
in order to protect the American people. With the trade war, we're protecting our intellectual property rights. Again, absolutely necessary. We have no war with Iran. We, in fact, President Trump has said multiple times he's against this. He's preventing Iran from building nuclear weapons that would in turn harm the American people and possibly many other nations across the globe. Now I'm going to go into my rebuttal of his negative case. First, Again, with the Iran deal, Iran threatened us. The reason we pulled out of the deal is to protect against two things. One, centrifuges, and two, the amount of uranium-235 that Iran is allowed to use. These amounts were still dangerous. The United States pulled out of the deal, imposed additional sanctions on Iran, again, to protect the American people. Would you have it any other way? Would you have it that Iran could make nuclear weapons and, in fact, effectively be a danger to the American people? I would think not. I would think that it's a good thing that President Trump did this in order to protect national security. Again, my opponent says that a Trump, President Trump, in his first argument, can appoint officials faster by going around this certain way, by appointing them in the cabinet and then throwing them into other areas. I would like to point out that the Constitution actually allows for this. And it, my opponent says that this is ruining the system of checks and balances. What I'd like to say that this is going exactly straight through the system of checks and balances. And the founding fathers made sure that this policy was in place because it, it has an effective means. And there's a purpose for it that would be considered effective in government that my opponent is leaving out in this debate. It's there for a reason. It's completely legal. And if it weren't, Trump would have some problems. Now, he also said that it is, um, it's hard to say how the president affects the economy and we need long-term data. I would like to point out that this is kind of contradictory to his case because he talks about how Trump is harming the debt, yet you need long-term data to actually make observations about the economy. President Trump is not harming the debt because, as I said earlier, and as we agreed to across examination, many, many economic benefits are focused on consumer choices. And by allowing consumers to have more money, you can look through all of the historical examples across the world, including the United States, when we have more money for the consumers and they spend more money throughout the economy – I would argue that this is actually the best way to pay off the debt is by growing our economy and paying it off slowly over time. This is why it actually matters in this debate and that question I crossed you asked me. Now, when you, you had your argument about border security and leveraging people's salaries in order to get the wall, the purpose of the wall is to protect the border. And we have met that purpose by Trump threatening tariffs on Mexico and in turn, they're watching their side of the border. Again, you said that you tied this to the state of national emergency saying that uh, that this has been declared. However, you fail to recognize that hundreds of states of national emergency have been declared in the past hundred years. This is not unique to President Trump. President Trump is protecting our border. The trade war is absolutely necessary. He's following the constitution that's completely contradictory in your first argument. And the economy, the economy is benefiting under Donald Trump. And that concludes my rebuttal speech. Thank you. All right. And with that, we have reached another uh, brief break in our time. Uh, gentlemen, y'all can prep your uh, last rebuttal speeches. You've both got a four-minute uh, uh, four time coming up. I think uh, if I'm following the flow in the uh, chat box, uh, Richard said he wanted to call in. We've got two minutes for calls and comments from the audience. What do y'all think? Uh, if anybody wants to make a call in, now is the time. Thank you, Lucy. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. We have a great time doing this. I love getting to coach these guys. It's it's amazing. Uh, uh, Ugal is asking where's he calling from. I'm not entirely sure how this works on that. Oh, oh, there we go. I see it. And Richard, welcome to What's the Res live debate. You're on the air. Hi. Um, who is the uh, person previously talking about uh, about uh, Trump's presidency? Of, of why it's positive? Why it's good? Uh, Richard, we just got you through. Could you repeat your comment or question? Yeah. Could you tell me the, uh, the affirmative team members, um, name, the one who's talking in positivity for Trump. Yeah. That's, that's Ethan. Yeah. Ethan, Ethan. I, I like, uh, Ethan's, um, 
uh, rebuttal. It, it made a lot of sense. I think, and personally, my personal opinion, I think Trump's presidency has been a very eye-opening experience. In my personal opinion, uh, I was I, I, I'm African American. I remember in like 2008 when Barack Obama was running for president, and I remember all the specific uh, details of why people wanted to uh, to vote him in the presidency. A lot of it was because of precedent for having the first African American president. Just because you have a black guy to run for president doesn't mean he's going to be a good president. Uh, I think Trump has done an enormous job uh, of being a better president than Barack Obama, in my personal opinion. So, Ethan, I go with you on that. Um, I, I think specifically that uh, we've had strong economy. We've had uh, no wartime whatsoever. Uh, we've had uh, him actually pulling out troops from Syria and Afghanistan. Uh, helping to defeat the last ISIS caliphate, which is in Syria, and spreading uh, ISIS uh, across um, the, the country instead of being one specific uh, caliphate together. Uh, Richard, I'm going to have to break in there really quick. I thank you so much for your comments. We are out of time for calling in. Uh, we got to get okay. the last rebuttal speech, but thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all. Okay. And uh, Patrick, we're back to you for next rebuttal speech. You've got uh, four minutes. Are you ready? Um, yes. Hello again. My name is Patrick Foley for the negative. So real quick, just where we're going to go with this. First, I'm going to go over my opponent's rebuttal, and then I'm going to go over his case again, and then I'll try to go back over my case. And uh, so let's get going. Um, first in his rebuttal, he uh, finally uh, talked about my first argument, talking about the system of checks and balances and how this was not actually going through the system of checks and balances, but actually just a part of the Constitution. Well, just because it's the cons- part of the Constitution doesn't mean it's just a isn't just a loophole. Maybe it's not exactly illegal, but Trump is just taking advantage of the situation. We got to remember before Trump even became a president, he was a businessman. He's used to manipulating situation to his benefit. He's just using this loophole that he's found in the constitution to be able to go around the legislative branch, which ultimately gives more power to him, makes him more powerful. And this is just setting a precedent, which my opponent didn't talk about. This is setting a precedent for presidents to come. They can do the same exact thing, maybe in an even bigger scale. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican president. It doesn't matter if it's a democratic president. It's just, this is going to, what's going to happen in the future. And if we don't stop it now, that's what we're going to have to deal with. I don't know exactly how we would be able to stop that, but this is just something we need to point out here that Trump is taking advantage of the situation. Um, he also went over the fact that um, this would be the best way to grow off debt would be to stimulate the economy by going through um, this tax cut that Trump has created. I disagree because the numbers say opposite. The, the debt has still been going up at a faster rate than ever. And this tax cut plan hasn't been exactly helping that. How could it? Just because it's stimulating the economy. It's He's increased spending for the government and lower tax rate. That's less money that's coming to the government and more money that we have to borrow. That's driving up the debt. Um, the Iran deal, He uh, it says he pulled out, uh, pulled out of the uh, nuclear deal to, to protect people. But again... They weren't breaking the deal. Maybe they had these levels of nuclear, uh, whatever, uh, what, what was he talking about? I can't remember. But essentially, Iran still wasn't breaking this deal. No matter how you say it, 
Iran wasn't breaking this deal. America pulled out. They were the ones that initiated this conflict. Who was to say that Iran actually had these missiles? You can't tell. They were never breaking this deal because we, we, there was no proof that they ever had these missiles. This was just Trump taking his power and using it to say, here is the big man in town. Okay. Um, going back over to my opponent's case, um, he talked about the economy again. Trump hasn't been the main factor of this. The legislative branch has been, again, holding the purse of the government. They are the ones that really make the decisions on where money goes. Trump hasn't been, again, Trump tried to influence that and abuse his power by uh, declaring emergency declaration. Yes, it has been done before, but declaring that the immigrants that were coming over was a national emergency Again, that's very debatable. And he, ultimately, he didn't get what he wanted. And again, uh, supposedly Trump is this great guy, but he used this. Uh, he shut down the government and used people's livelihoods as a bargaining chip. That's all it really was to him. It was for him to get what he wanted. Um, going back over again, national security. Iran shot down this drone. But uh, event, they immediately apologized for that, went back on it. They're, they're sorry for it. They don't want war, certainly. But Trump has been escalating the situation by putting in these waivers, by denying waivers, putting in sanctions, and again, all the way back to the nuclear deal. All right. Thank you, Patrick, for the second negative rebuttal. Ethan, are you prepared for your second affirmative rebuttal? I am. All right. Let's get to it. All right. And all right, for... Uh, Welcome to uh, a couple other folks who've just joined us. You're coming in on the second affirmative rebuttal speech. We are working on the resolution on balance. President Trump has done well in his first term. And uh, for those audience members who have stuck with us throughout this whole thing, if you like what you're hearing, uh, do become fans of our show on CastBox. That'll be the best way for you to get notifications when we have one of these in the future. So that being said, Ethan, take it away for your four-minute rebuttal speech. Four-minute rebuttal speech begins now. Okay, Patrick, so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin here by going over the rebuttals that Patrick made in his previous speech and then going over my final rebuttal for the negative team, for the affirmative team to the negative. First, Patrick says that just because something is in the Constitution doesn't mean that it's a loophole, and Trump is actually abusing this, this caveat sort of in the Constitution. Again, it is Patrick's job to prove that this is a loophole in the first place, and he cannot argue that he, Trump is tyrannically leveraging his power in the government without proving that this is not an essential policy to the government to get things done faster and more effectively when it needs to be done. It's Patrick's job to prove this, and there's no way to prove that Trump is actually leveraging something um, unjustifiably. Now, he says that the debt has been going up faster and faster and higher than ever, and that the tax cuts don't help, and he's attributing this to Trump. However, I'd like to remind you of what Patrick himself said in his third argument, that we need to look at the long term to determine what actions actually from the president affect the economy. That goes for my actions on the positive and his actions on the negative of the debt going up. You can't attribute the debt going up to Donald Trump because the policies have barely been in effect for that long, as Patrick has been stating himself. Yet I will show how they actually benefit the economy. As far as the debt going up goes, Patrick and I already agreed in cross-examination that one of the best ways to grow an economy is to let consumers make decisions for themselves. And when consumers make decisions for themselves, Patrick says, well, the debt's going up and that means that the government has less money. Let me remind you that when the consumers have more money, the government makes more money from that too. And that can actually go to paying down the debt. When people per, per capita, more money can be taxed and actually paid towards the debt, but the people still have more money in the first place. That's why this, this policy ends up helping the economy, but it helps all the individuals within the economy as well. Again, we're going to move on to the Iran point that he made in his previous speech. He said, Iran wasn't breaking the deal. We pulled out. 
And then therefore we're responsible. Iran is not the victim here. Iran is the actor. They are the one building nuclear, that were going to build nuclear weapons to attack the United States in the first place. Now, here's the problem. Yes, they were not building missiles, but they had the materials to build dangerous weapons towards the United States. These missiles, these materials can make dangerous weapons. Under the deal, the deal was not enough to protect against this. So what did Donald Trump do? He did what was necessary to protect the United States, pulled out of the deal, and imposed additional sanctions. It's within his presidential power, no abuse of power there, and it's necessary to protect the American people. And we can see that it does, because he called off all military strikes, no lives are intended to be harmed. He's saving the lives of American troops and Iranian civilians as well, because we want this to de-escalate, not escalate. And from what we can see, the situation is far more de-escalated than has been escalated in recent times. Now, he said again that Trump has abused his power by leveraging people's salaries for immigrants coming over. And I would and I would like to argue that immigrants coming across the border is an emergency. It's a breach of federal policy. We're having we're having, sorry. Thousands of people every day coming into the country that is actually hurting our workers and hurting our economy illegally. And we don't have these people registered. They're not paying their taxes. It's a huge burden on the economy. Trump is not leveraging people's salaries. He's saving the American people by allowing them by, yes, the government did have to shut down for a while because he recognizes the urgency of this problem. Yet, when he didn't get the border wall, what did he do? Threaten tariffs. And that actually helped solve the problem. We saw rates go again, like I said in my case, down 13%. Legal immigration is better and it's happening more and illegal immigration is being stopped. Regardless of the wall or not, we're reaching the end goal. I see in my final rebuttal, I'm, I, again, I've already hit all of my opponent's points in that previous, in what I've just said in the past three minutes. My opponent has a key flaw with his case. He is against doing anything necessary to protect the economy and promote the economy and to protect America. If we had no trade war, we would lose our intellectual property. If we had no sanctions on Iran, we would have a nuclear escalation. If we had no sanctions on Korea, which he hasn't even responded to, then we have we would have a nuclear war on our hands. If we have no illegal immigration tariff on the border, we would have even more illegal immigrants coming into the country. Again, Trump has helped the economy, as I have said, with as far as employment goes, as far as GDP, again, not refuted. And he protects the American people. And my opponent needs to recognize that necessary actions, like I said in my conclusion, putting your foot down is necessary. Again, Trump is benefiting the economy. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ethan, for that. Uh, for We've had several folks join us in the last couple minutes. Welcome uh, to those. And uh, for those who are joining us, you're coming in at the tail end of a live debate between two high school students who are debating the resolution. On balance, President Trump has done well in his first term. We've reached our uh, last break point between, uh, between rounds. So these guys are going to prepare their final speeches. Uh, gentlemen, just as a reminder to each of you, just like I tell you, if we're doing this in class, remember, this is your chance. Now, technically today, I'm your judge, and we'll, we'll see what our audience thinks at the end. We'll also see what our co-judge Liam thinks here in just a moment. Uh, but this is your last chance to persuade me that you should get my ballot. So uh, with that, we've got two minutes. I, I would love to take any calls with comments or questions from our audience. And if nobody's got calls, that's fine. I'll, I'll just kind of go over the three main ways to judge a debate. Uh, and oh, oh, we've got a caller coming in. Excellent. Who is this? Yigal. Uh, Yigal, if I'm mispronouncing your name, please help me. But welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Are you enjoying the show? Um, yes. It's entertaining. Thank you. Oh, good. Uh, did you have a comment or a question or something completely different? Uh, to be honest, um, I think I've pretty much uh, in the chat, I've said uh, as much as I can say, really. So I just called to tell you that um, 
there's not much more I can add at this moment. All right. Well, uh, Yigal, I'm, I'm, I'm rather curious. Uh, if, if you were – these guys are both going to uh, – they're, they're both going to give us their final speech in just a moment. But if you were going to decide which one of them made the better argument, who do you think has made the best argument so far today? I think they're both good. <laughs> they, they, no, I, I, I agree. I think they you both – There's a healthy mutual ground, like central ground huh? in their debate. They, that, that, that's one of the hardest parts about this game is that when, when it's played by people who know what they're doing, uh, then you really it becomes really hard to pick a winner. But it's, uh, it, it's one of the hard parts about it. At the end of the day, we have to decide which one of them made the strongest argument. And that, that I, I agree with you. Going into this final round, I think they have both done very well. I don't have any specific mistakes that I think either of them have made. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this last round goes. Okay, cool. Um. Yeah, they both uh, they they both can't win or lose. Like, and, and that's that, how I see. Now, in that sense, you're absolutely right. At the same time, though, of course, what's a debate without a winner? So, we'll we'll see okay. in a moment. Thank you so much for calling in. Take care, guys. Have fun. Thank you. We will. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Yigal, for uh, for that uh, that call. And uh, with that, we are. Uh, we, we've actually had several people join in in this last the last few moments. So welcome, uh, listeners, to our uh, final round of What's the Res live debates. Uh, we are uh, going to have a uh, our, our last debate uh, is going to be looking. We've got our last speeches coming in just a moment. And Ethan will be oh, no, I'm sorry. Patrick will begin with the negative final speech and then Ethan will begin with the affirmative final speech. And then I'll wrap it up with uh, my, my thoughts on who actually won the round. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll share one more time how you guys can get in touch with us and how you can follow our show. So with that, Patrick, you have three minutes for your final speech. Three minutes. Okay. You ready? I am ready. Ethan, ready? Ready. All right. Let's go. Hello again for the final speech. My name is Patrick Foley for the negative side. And I would like to prove in this speech exactly why I should win. Let's go over my case one more time. So my first argument was that Trump is damaging the very foundation of our government. I explained that Trump has been abusing his power in multiple different ways by using uh, active cabinet members and uh, shutting down the government, using people's livelihoods as a bargaining tool. So ultimately, Ethan, this entire, this entire debate has been arguing that Trump always has the best interests of people in mind. He's, but as I've been showing, he's using these people's livelihoods as a bargaining tool. How could that possibly be for the best interests of the people? If How exactly is the immigrants directly affecting those people? If they're taking their, these farmers, how are they taking these farmers' jobs exactly? Um, and again, as you said, that they're now, they've now shut down the border. But again, um, the, border is still, the border wall is still be continuing to be built, both publicly and privately. So... Even though you say you solved this problem, why is the wall still being built? If this is the if the money is being sent to the people to do with, with what as they want, and then they are not wasting this money by building this border wall. If this problem is essentially solved, with, you said that the best way for the uh, economy to be simulated is to let the people use this money how they want. But if they are using this money to create a border wall themselves, is this not wasting this money? Then, essentially, what I'm trying to say is that giving this money to the people is just, yes, they may use it in a way that stimulates the economy, but as you said, they use it however they want, and they spend it on the things that they want. 
is this not a waste if they're not putting this money into something like education? Again and again, the public education has been proven to be a very bad system. And if they're just going to be using this to educate themselves, then why are they coming out and not being able to get these advanced jobs? Why are they not able, why are they not able to fill these advanced job positions? Again, as I said, this, they, um, they have these unfilled job openings that have hit a new record as a result of lack of qualified workers. So now I'd like to go over my opponent's uh, points again uh, about the economy. Again, um, as I've said again and again, you cannot put Trump in the front and say, this is the reason that this econ- that the economy is growing. He may have done things like the tax cuts, but if it, but it's not all that directly affects the economy. Again, the legislative branch is a huge part of that in that they hold the purse of the government. They are the ones that decide where the money goes, ultimately. Trump may propose a plan, but it has to get approved by Congress unless Trump abuses his power using emergency powers in what may or may not be an emergency to go and uh, uh, try to force money to go to him and his problems. And then after that fails, then he uses. Thank you. I urge you to vote. All right. Ethan, are you ready? I'm ready to wrap this up. Three minutes. Let's do this. Ready when you are. Okay, Patrick, you ready to go? Yep. We will begin now. I'm going to begin this final speech by answering some of Patrick's questions that he posed in the last speech. He says that he's saying, why are there people filling these highly advanced jobs? And I just want to remind the audience here that you cannot blame the lack of people in advanced jobs on consumer spending choices. And Patrick wants to know how exactly does giving people more money help stimulate the economy because we're not spending it on education. We're not spending it here and here and here. I'd like to, I'd like to comment that any spending of money within the economy stimulates the economy, whether it's on education, whether it's on products, whether it's on small businesses or large businesses, this money going back into the economy is key to stimulating employment, getting people into jobs and helping people out in this way. Because when money is spent, that means more jobs are created. Companies need more workers to provide for the people that are spending money on them. So spending money anywhere in the economy is actually helping the economy. So, and we can see through Trump's tax cuts directly that people have more money. Maybe it will take a while to see the even longer term benefits of this. That could be completely true. But as far as my case is concerned, another point I wanted to make is that Trump, by using these tax cuts, we see that unemployment rates, as I stated in an earlier speech, have fallen below 4% only five times since 1970 and eight times recently. If this weren't a trend directly attributed to Trump, then the record would not have been broken now under Trump's presidency. We see that this is a direct effect of Trump's presidency. Again, my... Let's see. I'm going to go towards. Okay. Also, one last thing I'm going to answer for Patrick, then I'm going to wrap this up for my side. He says in his second argument that, or first and first, second argument, that Trump uses people's livelihoods as a bargaining tool when, in fact, how is illegal immigration actually harming people? Well, one, it's bypassing a, a mandatory federal process. So I would call that an emergency. Illegal immigrants are coming into the country, and you're saying, how does this harm people? How does this harm safe farmers? Well, they're the ones, they take jobs. That's how it harms people. They're taking jobs that are meant for the American people. We're fine with immigrants coming in. In fact, many immigrants actually hold very high positions in the United States, but we want it to happen legally because then that actually helps the economy. They're on, they can be on legal payroll. We can tax these people, and it's fair. Again, a, le- a mandatory federal process. But let's wrap this up. Let's not go into the specifics too much. It's here. We're going to need to have a better view on the round. I want to take you back to the resolution to the phrase on balance of President Trump's or on balance, President Trump has done well in his first term. We need to look at the phrase on balance. Again, we're doing a cost-benefit analysis 
of President Trump's presidency here. I think that I have proven that there are far more benefits on Trump's side. Again, my opponent could not even prove that bypassing the Constitution or going through the Constitution was not, in fact, a loophole. Again, this could be a mandatory federal process. I've shown you how the economy has grown as a rather direct, if not even a strong correlation of these policies that Trump has implemented. We agree more money in the hands of the consumer is better for the environment as a whole. Again, National security is important, and my opponent's case does not recognize that the United States must do what is necessary in order to protect itself. President Trump puts his foot down and gets things done. Thank you. All right. Ethan, Patrick, thank you both for such a fun debate. Uh, I, I, I am ready with a judgment. Um, I've got a couple other housekeeping details to uh, mention. So, uh, audience, I would love to uh, get your thoughts in the chat box. We've got Ethan on affirmative, Patrick on negative. Next time we do this, we'll be ready with an opinion poll, but uh, we'll add that next time. Uh, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Did Ethan take this with the affirmative, or did Patrick persuade you that negative? And just so everybody knows how this works in terms of competitive debate, you're not answering which one you think is true. You're suggesting you're answering who do you think made the stronger arguments today, affirmative or negative? Well, thank you so much, audience members, for joining us today uh, on our What's the Res podcast here on uh, doing our live debate with, uh, uh, with the live cast platform on CastBox. Now, our podcast is freely available on uh, Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on all major platforms, including CastBox. Uh, we do resolution analysis for the current resolutions and for NSDA debates, also for uh, the Calvin Coolidge Presidential Foundation. Uh, their, their league is also something that we're part of as a school. Now, uh, beginning next week, we are launching a stream of premium content that is going to be a, a set of, of debates like what you just heard. Now, they won't be strictly live. They'll have been recorded, but they're going to be debates between adults or between high school students. You have adults debating adults, high schoolers versus high schoolers. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, if the idea of formal debate and the intellectual cut and thrust of, of debate appeals to you, then follow our show and you'll have all kinds of information about how to get to that material very shortly. Uh, if you're interested in following us, you can find us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page called What's the Res? We've, we're also on Twitter, on Instagram, and Reddit at the hashtag at what's the res underscore. If you want to give us any email feedback about this show, what worked, what didn't work, should we have more time for calling in and so on, you can email us at what's the res at gmail.com. Well, thank you to the 47 listeners who are still with us today. We had 33 at the beginning. We had a high point of 55 listeners. And at the end, guys, we have 47 people still listening nice. to this. That's amazing to thank me, you. at least. Uh, I, I am very encouraged that there are that many people who are interested in this kind of intellectual discussion. Because as Yigal um, mentioned earlier, both of you guys are winners in the sense that uh, you have both prepared solid arguments and you have both helped us recover hopefully a better level of public discourse about talking about complicated things. Because a lot of people get very upset about President Trump. I, for one, am very appreciative of the fact that both of you were able to uh, debate about this in a way that was congenial, that was clear, and did a great job. That being said, uh, in coming to judgment, my first level of judging a debate, as you both know, is to look for uh, 
would look for uh, dropped arguments, and uh, neither of you really dropped each other's arguments. You both had very minor things you didn't respond to. And Ethan, you were right. Patrick did not respond to your North Korea point, but I don't think that's substantial enough to really uh, give you give the round one way or the other. So I go to my second tier, and I'm looking at evidence. And here, under the first negative argument, Patrick hinged his entire case on uh, the threat that President Trump forms for uh, establishing a precedent for future presidents and then arguing that because he is so unconstitutional, he undermines our entire uh, political process. Well, you did not actually show me how he violated the Constitution. Ethan pointed that out in uh, his, in one of his rebuttal speeches. And because you did not show me how Trump violates the Constitution, I think on balance, Ethan is correct. And he did show me a larger number of benefits than you did harm. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for debating today. Did y'all enjoy the debate? Oh, yeah, this that was amazing. Fun. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, I see several of the suggestions here, and we will read through those uh, after this is over. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you like what you've heard, then feel free to follow us uh, at uh, and, and uh, what's the res. Check out our website at what's at www.whatstherez.com. And be on the lookout uh, for, especially if you uh, become a fan of our show on CastBox, we will be back towards the end of July for another round of What's the Res live cast debates. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you all have a wonderful day.